Good morning. Uh, the sermon this morning uh, is your second scripture lesson, 2 Timothy chapter 1. However, our focus will be verses 6 and 7. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. So please open up there if you have your Bibles or grab your bulletins. Let me open us with a word of prayer as we begin. Father in heaven, we thank you for the worship of the triune God. As we come here this morning, and as your word is read and preached, I pray that you would be working in this sermon. I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate the word of God for the people of God. Without you, we can do nothing, Lord. So please help us by the grace of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know any firefighters? Any firefighters? And I'm not talking about the good kind of firefighters. I'm not talking about the kind that save people from burning buildings, or save your cat from a tree, I guess, or uh, stop or contain forest fires. I'm talking about those people in your lives uh, that try to stomp on your passions or dreams. Those are uh, firefighters that extinguish the passions or the goals that you have in your life. Uh, for example, a firefighter could be uh, a teacher in high school who told you, that, told you that you would never amount to anything. Maybe that was just me. But. Uh, or when you go through an adoption, for example, uh, so many people try to scare you and talk you out of it. I remember when we did it, many people said things like, it's not worth it. Uh, you don't know what mental or, or other issues uh, they'll have. Some family member is going to come out of nowhere and steal your baby. Um, what's the point? You already have a bunch of kids. Right? People try to stomp on your fire. People love to put out your fire. Firefighters. Uh, sometimes we can be our own firefighters, can't we? We extinguish our abilities or goals when we procrastinate or when we are scared of failing, and thereby avoid things that are challenging or difficult. Now, sometimes we have lofty goals, but because we think so low of ourselves and have such a low view of God's work within us, we avoid uh, the lofty goals and say things like, no, 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 I can never do that or accomplish that. And this is why the best firefighter out there comes internally, and that is fear. Fear is the best firefighter. Because, and this is what we will see this morning, that because God has given us gifts of the Spirit, we must not fear, thereby extinguishing what He has worked in us. Fear extinguishes what God has worked in us. What He has worked in, we must work out, not letting fear get in the way. And so the first thing we'll see is we'll talk about the gifts that God has given, and two, we'll talk about what hinders them. The gifts God has given, and then what hinders them. So let's first draw our attention this morning to verse 6, where we will see that since God has given gifts to the body of Christ, we must fan them into flame. We must fan them into flame. The book of 2 Timothy was written by a man, Paul, who knew he was going to to die soon. Paul is imprisoned. He is in chains, as he says in 116, and he knows he is soon to be martyred, as he writes in 4.6, that he is already being poured out as a drink offering. He says, the time of my departure has come. 
He hopes to see Timothy soon, and he very well may have. Um, but in many ways, this is his last words to Timothy. This is his final plea to Timothy to remain steadfast in the faith, to remain steadfast in his ministry and his calling. And it is the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. You can view this letter in some sense as the deathbed words of the Apostle to Timothy. And so these things are of utmost importance for Paul's disciple. Paul begins with this typical thanksgiving where he thanks God for Timothy and encourages him by telling him that all the prayers that he has made for Timothy. He longs to see Timothy, his child, in the faith. Remember, Paul was like a father to Timothy. Timothy was raised by his mother and his grandmother and never really had that father figure in his life, or at least not a godly father figure, as he alludes to in verse 5. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Just as a short side note, I want to encourage the mothers and grandmothers quickly and say, your faith matters. Your faith matters to your kids and your grandkids. All the times you pray for them and with them and read the scriptures with them and teach them about the world that God has made, it matters. And they are extremely significant. Always remember that. And we see that here in, in, from the Apostle Paul. So picture a father on his deathbed who wants nothing more than his own son to succeed, finishing the race of life well. Paul wants Timothy to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He wants Timothy to never give up and strive for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul, in verse 6, exhorts Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which is in him through the laying on of Paul's hands. And Paul here seems to be referring to Timothy's gospel ministry and his ordination. Fan into flame the gift you have of preaching and teaching and overseeing in the church of Christ, of ministering. Fan into flame the gifts that belong to your office. And Paul reminds him of his ordination service. In 1 Timothy 4, uh, we read this, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. So Paul is calling him to keep the fire of his ordination going and increase it, rekindle it, stir it up. It's sort of like a pastor exhorting a married couple to rekindle the love they had when they first took their marriage vows on their wedding day. For how easy is it to lose the fire you once had and all sorts of things in life? You have to keep the fire going, or it will surely go out, won't it? We have examples of this in Scripture. Remember what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. He says, I, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know you're enduring patiently, bearing for my name's sake. But then he says this. He says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. They needed to fan into flame their faith. This is how we are as human beings, isn't it? We so easily lose our zeal 
for the Lord. The cares of the world, the difficulties of life, the discouragements of various kinds that creep in, they try to extinguish our fire. You may say, well, Nick, Paul is speaking to Timothy, a leader in the church, someone who was ordained, I'm not ordained. But you see, you don't have to be ordained for this text to directly apply to you. For all of God's people have been given spiritual gifts that they are to use for the sake of their brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He goes on to say in verse 11 that all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And therefore the word goes out to all of us this morning to fan into flame your faith and the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to each and every believer. Sometimes we get this false notion, don't we, that only church officers are given gifts for the sake of the body. It's not true. Every believer in here is an important and vital part of the body of Christ. And we need your gifts to flourish as a body. We need everyone's gifts to flourish as a church. If you are particularly gifted at encouragement, fan into flame your encouraging. We need it. I need it. If you are gifted with acts of mercy, fan it into flame. We need it. If you are gifted with exhortation, fan it into flame. Disciple younger people in the faith, for example. If you are gifted with a servant's heart, fan it into flame. If you are gifted with administration, fan it into flame. Sometimes we narrow what these gifts can be, don't we? Uh, Charles Spurgeon, many years ago, once exhorted his congregation to not overlook things like experience as a gift for the body. Particularly, he was referring to the elderly within the congregation. He said, don't disregard your life experience. The younger people in the body need it. And your experience, you see, lies golden nuggets for the younger generation. Don't simply assume they don't want to hear you. They do and are hungry for it, even at times if they don't realize it. Now, if you are unsure of your spiritual gifts, this may be some of you. Uh, you may be unsure what they are. You may say, well, Timothy knew his gifts. Uh, they were given by prophecy. But it didn't happen to me, did it? So, uh, what do I do? Well, if this is you, uh, one, very simply, ask God to reveal them to you. Pray. Simple but effective. Two, serve the church in many different areas until your strengths become evident. Serve the church in many different ways until your strength becomes evident. This is, uh, this, in Ecclesiastes 11.6, Solomon says this, In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which one will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So apply that if you don't know your spiritual gifts. Sow your seed, and your strengths will rise up and become evident over time. Furthermore, you've heard the saying, if you don't use it, you'll lose it, right? There's some truth in that uh, even here. God calls us to work out what he has worked in us. He calls us to work out what he has worked in us. 
He has called us to be faithful with the gifts that He has given to us, to use them and endeavor to grow in them. And so, brothers and sisters, be good stewards and faithful of what God has worked in you. Matthew Henry says that the best way to grow your spiritual gifts that God has worked in you is to take all the opportunities to use those gifts. Don't withhold your gifts, you see. Use them. Use them. So many Christians uh, have this mindset. They think, what can the church do for me? And they forget that the church needs them. Every individual in the body of Christ is important and vital for the health of the church, which is why it is so heinous when professing Christians show no care for the body of Christ, the visible church. So we see fans of flame stir up the gifts of God that are within you, for you were bought with a price. And so Paul in verse 6 is exhorting Timothy to stir up the gift of God in his life, referring to his gospel ministry. And the principle behind this for all of us is because God has given us gifts, we must fan them into flame, lest we be unfaithful with the blessings of God, like the man who hid his talent in the ground, for example. Now let's draw our attention to verse 7, where we learn this, that since fear is opposed to God's work in us, we must cast it out. Since fear is opposed to God's work in us, we must cast it out. In verse 7, Timothy seems to have been a timid soul. He seems to have been a timid soul. His timidity seems to have been something Paul wanted to hammer over and over again with him and encourage him to be brave and courageous. Paul wants Timothy to not fear, or another way it could be translated as timid, as Paul does not fear his impending death. Follow me, Timothy, as I follow Christ. And so in verse 7, Paul gives the reason why Timothy should fan into flame the gifts of God. Because he has been given a spirit that is not consistent with fanning, uh, that is consistent with fanning into flame the gifts of God. See, if you're not fanning into flame your gifts and callings that God has given you, you are operating in accordance with another spirit, not the spirit that God has given you. Fear is of the old man, not the new man, which is being renewed in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness after the image of its creator. To be clear, Paul here is referring to uh, not exactly to the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, but the effects of the Holy Spirit on our spirits, as the Holy Spirit's indwelling has an effect, has an effect on our souls and our spirit. The Holy Spirit has taken out your heart of stone. He has given you a heart of flesh. And so Paul is referring uh, to the new heart or new spirit that is within you, having been changed by the Spirit of God. And so having been changed, fear no longer belongs to you. This is what Paul is saying. But what does belong to you? Fear no longer does, but what does? Power, love, and self-control. For you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So let's break these down here. First, power. Remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
And he goes on to say that those who are called both Jews and Greece, uh, Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So you see, Christ is the power of God, and the gospel is the power of God. And therefore, since you are in Christ and have been given His Spirit, you have the power of God. This power is not the power that the world knows. It's not the power to abuse or oppress or control, but the power to endure suffering, the power to turn the cheek, to serve God and love neighbor. And most of all, you have the power of the gospel message. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You have been freed, you see, from the bondage of sin. And now live in the Spirit, where you have the power and freedom to follow Christ, even to death. For the same Spirit dwells in every believer. The very Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. This type of power, you see, is opposed to fear. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love. So the spirit is given, uh, the believer is given a spirit of love. How is love opposed to fear? How is love opposed to fear? You see, a fearful person thinks about themselves. It's the spirit of fear that says, I can't share the gospel with that person, or I can't help that person out because I don't have enough time and it could affect my work. It is the spirit of fear that thinks first about themselves. But the spirit of love thinks first about the other person. As John writes in 1 John 4.18, there is no love, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see, love is essential to the life of a disciple. Remember what Jesus himself says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, but also of self-control, which is opposed to fear. But how is it opposed to fear? Another way to translate this could be a sound mind. You've been given a sound mind or a sober judgment, or you've been given discipline. And so I would include here not simply the ability to be disciplined uh, with your appetites, your schedule, your productivity, but I'll also include this to mean your ability to think clearly. A holy reason, you can call it. A sanctified thought life, you could say. Sanctified reasoning. But how is this opposed to fear? First, a reckless, careless life that lacks self-control gives way to all sorts of negative things, including fear. If you're living just following your appetites, untrained to hand, you're untrained to handle fear uh, when a trial or a difficult situation arises. Two, uh, someone who's uh, disciplined in thought is capable of thinking through a difficult trial, biblically, calmly, looking to God's answers in Scripture. So self-control is opposed to fear. A self-controlled person who's not tossed to and fro by life is better suited to face the trials and tribulations or sufferings of life. And so the big picture is we shouldn't fear because fear does not come from the Spirit of God that dwells within us. 
And the things wrought by the Spirit in our spirit are opposed to fear, power, love, and self-control. You see, if you have believed on the Lord, you are being sanctified. As Paul says in Colossians, you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. You are being changed by the Spirit of the living God. And so you have a spirit not of fear, but of love and of power and of self-control. Sure, you guys know this, but kids do some very foolish things, right? Uh, one of my least favorite things that has happened to us more than once, uh, sadly, is uh, something being flushed down the toilet that should not be flushed down the toilet. It's uh, not fun. Uh, last year, one of my kids flushed a remote control down the toilet, a pretty large one, down our bedroom toilet. Um, I plunged it, didn't work. I grabbed my plumbing snake, because when you have a bunch of kids, you have your own plumbing snake. It's like a requirement. You have to have your own plumbing snake. Um, but the plumbing snake didn't work. It did not work. It got stuck. Uh, but when the plumber came, he had the knowledge, the tools, the ability to get the remote out of the toilet. He didn't fear the situation, uh, you see, at all. He took the toilet off. He replaced a few broken parts. He got the remote out. Um, all confidently and without delay. You see, you, Christian, are being reminded in this passage that you are like that plumber. You have been freed from the bondage of sin. You have been given the Spirit, and the Spirit of God is renewing your spirit day by day, conforming you to the image of Christ, so that we can confidently say, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So we can approach the difficulties of life, sufferings, tribulations, like the plumber approached the situation, with confidence, without fear, you see. And therefore, do not let fear get in the way of your walk with the Lord. Do not let fear get in the way of you loving God, of you loving neighbor. Do not let fear extinguish the fire of your spiritual gifts. Increase them all the more as we see the day drawing near. Because God has given us gifts of the Spirit we must not fear, and thereby extinguish what He has worked in us. You see, you are no longer characterized by fear. You are characterized by power, and of love, and of self-control. Why? Because the one who has come in power, in love, in self-control, satisfied God's justice on your behalf, purchased you by His blood, has given you the Spirit in order that you may do the works that He did, the works of power and of love and of self-control, which cast out fear. For this salvation of Christ, as Paul says in Titus, has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And so, brothers and sisters, remember who you are in Christ Jesus. Remember that your life is now hidden with Christ in God, and that you no longer have anything to fear. Remember what Paul says later in our passage in verses 8 and 9. God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, 
not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so in light of this marvelous gospel and the salvation of our Lord and His mighty work in us, cast out fear. Cast it out. If you're struggling at work, worried you will lose your job, cast out fear. If you're lonely, cast out fear. If you're sick or dying, cast out fear. If you fear wearing the gospel on your sleeve and sharing the gospel with others, cast out fear knowing what spirit you have been given. A spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So you have the power, brothers and sisters, to fan and flame the gifts of God within you because you've been given a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. All of God, not of you. And since fear is opposed to God's work in us, we must be faithful to His callings, to His gifts, If we fear, we will be utterly unable to fan them into flame, and our our flame will dwindle. So, brothers and sisters, the all-powerful one, the one who had the self-control to hold his tongue like a sheep going to the slaughter, in love, he endured the cross for us. So now that you have been given a spirit not of fear, Walk, brothers and sisters, in power and of love and of self-control. Never let fear extinguish your fire. For Jesus' peace, he says, I I leave my peace with you. Do not trouble, neither be afraid. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, in the name of Christ, to you, asking you for help asking you uh, that this week we would live not in accordance with fear, but a power and of love and self-control. Help us to grow in Christ, being renewed day by day after His image. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.